Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And I'm Phil. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers and Phil. And Phil. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the mysterious relative from generations apart, I don't know. It's true. It's very possible. We are um, from the UK originally, our family. Yeah. I was going to say, how far, how far back? We came over when... There was no America. And, <laughs> and we did some work for the crown. Oh, lovely. How kind of you. Yes, yes. It ended up getting some of our ancestors killed, but it was all in the name for the queen. Well, I guess maybe it was the king at the no, time. It was the king back then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for the royal family. In any case, we're, we're joined today by a guest. We have uh, Phil here in the studio. We flew him out first class. On right, Classic Phil, Gaming you... Brothers Air. That's right. Classic Gaming Brothers Air. <laughs> Which is a glorified cargo plane, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, first class means he didn't have to sit in the cargo bay. <laughs> he got oh, to sit in like, an strange. actual chair. <laughs> the, food was, the food was abysmal on the flight. Rubbish. Oh, Surprised they food? served food. <laughs> so that's... that's. I wouldn't have eaten that if I was you. <laughs> yeah, that might not have been food, Phil. I'm sorry to tell you. But uh, yeah, we, we brought Phil in to, to talk about uh, a topic that I think is near and dear to him, which is the, the Harry Potter games oh, for yes. the PC and the PlayStation. Um, specifically, I think we're just going to cover the first two because those are the best. Yeah. I, we're going to spend the entire time debating whether it's Philosopher or Sorcerer's Stone, right? Right. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but in, in any case, we, before we get started with our recently played, Phil, do you want to just introduce yourself, tell the listeners, you know, why you're the expert on this topic? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I'm Phil. My YouTube channel name is Phil of Glimmer, and I do sort of video reviews and in-depth analysis and video essays and that kind of thing for video games from the 90s and 2000s, a lot of them that I played when I was young. And there seems to be a big focus on the Harry Potter games. Yeah, they were a big part of my childhood. And apparently they were a big part of lots of people's childhood. So that's the that's the franchise that seems to have stuck with a lot of people. And that's supposedly why I cover them, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, they do seem to be. They're, they're pretty. Your your Harry Potter videos usually do really well from what I've seen. Um, yeah, yeah. On, on your channel. Yeah. It's got you to, to explore, I think, some different aspects of the games, which we'll talk about, you know. But uh, before we do, uh, Phil, being the guest... We'll put you on the spot. What have you been recently playing? Sure. So recently for me is probably what I have played in the past year because I, I just, I feel like I have no time anymore to play games besides the ones that I play for the channel, which I kind of, they kind of count as separate to me. <laughs> They're like work. Yeah, basically, yeah. So yesterday I actually started Stray. Oh. But I feel like a lot of people kind of already know about that. So I, I, there's a couple of other games I've played within the past year, which I thought have been interesting. There's this game called Inscription by Daniel... Mullins and it was published by Devolver and that was it's kind of like a it's like a card game I, I don't really play many card games it's kind of like a I don't know if it, I don't think it's a deck building one I think it's like a oh, what's it called Magic the Gathering style card game I think oh yeah like a collectible one I think yeah I think so but it's kind of like half that half weird abstract horror game and it was so good it's absolutely amazing it's hard to like talk about it without kind of like ruining it, I suppose. But like you're playing this game against this opponent um, who you don't really properly see. The card game itself is like so solid. It's like really good. But then on top of that, you're trying to work out who this person is and what's happening. And every now and then 
you kind of get to explore around the building you're in and find other things and it's 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 really good i would highly recommend nice that's fun i have been recommended inscription before i actually we we haven't talked about stray yet though i'm sure oh, okay. as you said um there i'm sure a lot of people have i haven't actually picked it up yet which is interesting i usually pick up adventure games but uh i don't know i haven't gotten stray which is the game where you plays a uh, a cat plus the cat game the cat, <laughs> the cat game, game. <laughs> the, the cat in cyberpunk game yeah 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 i only played i think we maybe played half of it or like just under half it seems good it's kind of like one of those it feels a bit like modern so like i don't know it's i don't know if you've played it takes two yeah that kind of vibe where you're almost just like skipping from area to area and like stuff moves on quite quickly Um, but it seems a little bit more in depth than that which is nice so i've recently been playing uh gas station simulator which oh my god is it doesn't have any uh, horror aspects nor it it's not really uh, I would say cute in any way um, but it was uh, originally developed by uh, Drago Entertainment and uh, it was published by actually a bunch a, a few different publishing houses like Movies Game and stuff like that and it came out back in 2021 and I think it was in early access for 2021 and then like it's actually been like fully released recently ish and in a gas station simulator you run a gas station and it's in the desert and you have to in the beginning pump gas uh for people who want gas uh eventually you expand your business and you get a convenience store where you sell chips and sodas and all that oh well sorry uh whatever potato chips not fries crisps crisps crisps, and crisps i don't know soft drinks fizzy drinks coke i don't know and also you get a mechanic shop where you can fix their cars it is it's fun it is also so i play it on uh, i have a steam deck and i've been playing it on that and it immediately just like turns the fan on like it just like pumps the entire time and it's like a hundred degrees in front of the fan when it's like going full tilt but it's not that like graphically intense i was gonna say it's it's just i think it's poorly optimized when it comes to like memory usage or whatever and it says that it's verified on the deck however there are a number of keys that are not bound to buttons so you have to like manually go and bind them which is uh annoying Mm. but once you do that binding it's fine it got a little overwhelming for me at one point in time because you essentially get like cues of people and you get little alerts so and people Uh. stack on top of each other and every service that you need to do is another mini game and so you have to go get gas then you have to go to the register and you have to scan items to put into like uh, a shopping cart or a uh, it's like a shopping basket then you have to like run to your shop to make like change out like somebody's like comes in they drive in they have like four blown tires and like a broken uh, rear view mirror or whatever you have to like replace everything i think if they have if they have four burst tires just wait like there's no (laughs) rush you're not going anywhere it's it's true so a couple of things that well one thing that ended up being really good and one thing that ended up not frustrating me but was difficult was what ended up being really good was the cashier game where you have to scan items i originally tried to do it with the joysticks and that was a mistake you have to like drag your mouse over to an item and then drag it over the scanner and then drop it into the basket and the way the mouse interface worked i would just end up just like tossing their stuff on the floor or in the basket it didn't i never got it to like the scanner in the basket then i realized that it was touch compatible so then i was using my finger to scan their items 
And then I was like, wow, I'm just playing a grocery game. Like, I'm literally just playing a job that I did when I was a child. <laughs> um, and then the mechanic thing, the mechanic shop, you have to have a warehouse. You have to manage inventory. And tires are very expensive. So you buy them for, like, 60 to, like, $80. And then you repair them for, like, 90 And everyone always has blown tires. And so you have to spend a lot of money to get a lot of tires. So, like, even, like, eight or nine tires, that's going to take out all of your money that you've saved up and some one person will probably take them all and i i just ran to the situation where i just didn't have any inventory for them so like i couldn't close the mechanic shop so then i was just pissing people off because i'd like raise their car up and i'd like fix their windshield and they'd have four broken tires and i would just send them on their way i was like here you go you're done and they were like you did nothing and i was like well i don't have tires like, <laughs> you send them on their way and yeah, they just they just drive they off just don't go four anywhere. broken tires <laughs> Oh like sparks flying and all that. <laughs> oh, that's good. I would say it's one of the many simulator games that are out there that actually has like a pretty good um, game loop, similar to like House Flipper and stuff like that, where it's like a, a pretty good simulator because there's a lot of simulators out there and, and most of them are garbage. Um, but Gas Station Simulator is pretty good. So, Zach, what about you? Uh, well, in the theme of cats, I was playing Cat Lateral Damage which is a nice little indie game developed by Mankio Ware and Firehouse Games and released in 2015. In the game, you play as a cat who is very bored and your job is to knock over everything in the house within certain times. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So uh, it's in first person. And you can collect upgrades such as uh, higher jumps or more powerful swipes. Um, And you get those upgrades by playing either with house plants or with a scratching post. You can also customize your cat if you want the cat to look closer to maybe a real cat of yours. And um, you have a litter box mode and an objective mode. Uh, Litter box mode being... Oh my god, like sandbox. Yes, sandbox mode. Oh my, stop. (laughs) Where there is no objectives. You can just play around as much as you want. And objective mode is they give you a specific time and the specific amount of items you need to knock down so it might be like 230 items within five minutes which sounds like a lot but when you're a cat oh my gosh you are swiping like crazy (laughs) there's also other like different objectives like causing the most amount of damage monetary wise in the house such as like how much will it cost if you knock down the flat screen tv versus knocking down some books off the off the table it's one of those games that you can really just jump into and play whenever especially the litter box mode that's like you don't need to worry too much about it but uh, i'd highly recommend recommend it if you haven't played cat lateral damage again a cute little indie game i think you can get it on itch.io i picked it up during one of their bundles that they did i think it was the bundle for racial justice that was hosted by itch.io i got the the bundle for, i think it was the bundle for ukraine i wonder, it I wonder if might i have also it. be it might also be in there so it was it's been in a bunch of the bundles recently but i definitely recommend cat lateral damage to, to anyone it is one of those fun little games um and yeah uh, that's what I've been recently playing. I just, I went on the Steam page and the pictures are obviously amazing, but it look it looks like you can knock over a huge T-Rex skeleton. Yes. Yeah. At one point there's like a museum level and you can just knock down a T-Rex skeleton. Wow. <laughs> so... Um, and the cat has little like dialogue things that will pop up being like the humans left me at home and I must punish them <laughs> well as as we mentioned uh, we, we brought Phil on to talk about the Harry Potter games but uh, before we do we'll, we'll ask Phil some questions I guess to let everyone know who he is what he does so Phil uh, mm-hmm. you talk about the Harry Potter games as we alluded to how were you first introduced to them so I kind of just always have had some of them like 
as far as I can remember. So in my mind, we always had the second one on PC, the first one on PS2, one and maybe the second one on ps2 I, I can't fully remember obviously so those kind of those ones as far as i can remember we've just always had them because i think i probably would have been like six or seven ish when those ones came out so i don't really remember much before that so those ones have just like always been a part of my life the first one on pc we didn't have it from my memory from before I can remember, but we did have, I think it was a demo for it, or it was the game, but it was only in Spanish for some reason. Um, okay. I think my dad got it off someone at work, <laughs> just like a dodgy Sounds copy. Like our dad. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't get very far in that one. And then at some point I saw, I think it was the first three for PC in like a bundle in game, which is like our version of GameStop. And I was like, well, well obviously I have to buy that. Um, so that's when I played the first and the third one. And we also had the Quidditch World Cup one at some point. That was good. I would like yeah. that, actually. Yeah, I re- yeah, I replayed it and I was like, okay. It took a while to, like, work out exactly, like, what the idea was. But I, got, I kind of got into it at the end. And yeah. then, apparently... Okay, my brother says, we had the third one and the fourth one on PS2. I have absolutely no memory of us having the fourth one. None at all. <laughs> And I didn't think we had the third one. And then the second stream of me playing it, I was like, I've been here before. I was like, I recognize <laughs> these ghosts, these this ghoul. I'm pretty sure at some point between the Harry Potters, they... At one point in time, they just reused the assets in the, the game. So it's very possible that you were there, but you were there the previous game. I thought that. I thought I was like, oh, it obviously just looks similar because they, yeah, reused a lot of the things. But it was, it was very specific. I was like... Because this thing wasn't in the second game on PS2 and we didn't have the first one. I know that for sure. I, I hope. <laughs> I can't wait to play it and realise we did have it after all. Um, but it was it was the... There's a ghoul when you go to... What's it called? Muggle Studies? Uh, oh, okay. There's like a ghoul at the bottom. And before that, there's a room where you're with these ghosts and they have lanterns and there's this other beam thing. And those weren't in the second one when I played it. And I was like... I specifically remember these things and I it was but for some reason the first time I replayed the third one didn't have any there was no flashbacks there was nothing so that was really weird huh well I think for us Seth we had the second one on PC uh, we had I thought we had the first one too we might have had the on first PC. one on PC I'm pretty well. sure we had I know the first I, one on PC I remember mostly playing the first one at our cousin's house she had it on their family computer and then I remember playing the second one at home but we probably had both I do remember I was horribly disappointed with them okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow I, growing up I was a very big Harry Potter fan, and I, I read the books. At the point in time when each of the books got released, I reread the series. So every, every time, time. A, every time a new book came out, I reread the series from the beginning. Got and harder and harder with book. each book. <laughs> yeah, yeah so say. yeah. Well, the gap's bigger between the last ones. I can't remember. Yeah, I I mean, I was able to. When I was younger, I used to read more, and I was a pretty efficient reader. So, like, I would know when the when she was going to be releasing it, and then I would say, like, okay, like, I need to start reading now so that it'll, I'll be done by the time the book came over. So, ultimately, I've read the series a lot. I've also did, like, I've done a couple of annual rereads of the entire series. So, like, beyond reading the entire series every time the book came out, I did a couple of readings. Um, so, I always had high expectations for any properties that weren't the books, such as, like, the movies and the video games. 
and none of the properties, in my opinion, ever met the the bar of the books. So I was always disappointed with the movies and the video games. I was like, we got the PC game, and I'm like, this is just trash. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, let's say hey, that's just my personal opinion. If other people, I'm sure other people like them. It sold well, so <laughs> well at least they thought they liked it. But they bought the sequels, which implies that they sold well because you can always have a game that sells good on its first release and then not sell well on its sequel and that implies that people bought the first one based on hype and then actually didn't like it a lot of the time the second one if that sells better is more of an indication of how good the first one was right 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 right. but if but if if but if it slumps the other way then you know that the property probably doesn't have staying power but obviously the harry potter did and other people enjoyed it i we though didn't have the playstation version we had the pc version which is different yes than the playstation version right we did at one point get the playstation copy of the second game when we got our playstation briefly before it broke from family friends they like gave us a playstation like 12 games that were mostly all garbage but it came with chamber of secrets for ps1 which wow. i mean my opinion but I, I remember the difference in that though it's funny because i think as a kid i didn't see the difference even the graphical quality to me was not as bad as i remember it being so like i remember playing the playstation <laughs> games and being like oh this is like the pc game just a little differently and then i recently was replaying them i'm like oh my gosh I'm like, yeah there, there's a distinct quality difference in the graphics like everything in the playstation games just feels wobbly like all the graphics feel like they're just jittering <laughs> like, yeah. and all of the all of the people they look so strange they like, do <laughs> like who designed them to look like that it's bizarre in Hagrid, it's the PS1 Hagrid. That's the one that's the meme. That's the right? meme. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just kind of looks like a like an oval with beard. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think Fred and George look worse. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. They're like <laughs> freaky. I don't know. There's something so strange. And it's not like other. I I just sometimes people will say like graphics are the way they are because of the product of their time. However, that was they would like they look Final bad Fantasy, anyway, right? Like Final Fantasy was also on the PlayStation 1 and arguably still had blocky graphics, but I would say their characters looked better (laughs) than the Harry (laughs) Potter characters. Or like Resident Evil. Resident Evil 1 and 2, I mean, I yeah blockyish graphics, but I think that the character models still hold up. I mean, like Barry Burton still kind of looks like a a square, but like right. <laughs> you can kind of still tell he's a person. <laughs> hey, he's not a monster like Hagrid <laughs> or or the Weasley twins, <laughs> which arguably they are monsters. <laughs> going back to kind of uh, at least your your experience with Harry Potter, Phil. I mean, you talked about how it kind of became the the niche of your 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 youtube videos and such how did you get into youtube content and uh, why initially did you pick harry potter i guess so i started the channel during our first lockdown in the uk which was you know march to whenever it was i don't really remember anymore why did i do it i think it was because i i mean i obviously watch a lot of youtube anyway um i'm trying to think of some like big names so like kadikarus and people yeah. like that. There, I noticed that there wasn't really a lot of Harry Potter stuff, um, or at least a, not a lot that was taking it seriously, because there's a lot of people who obviously make, you know, funny videos about the games being bad, which is fair, because some of, you know, some of it is bad. But um, <laughs> I wanted to take it seriously, because I just, there's something good about them. Yeah, sure, it's Harry Potter, which is why lots of people remember it. But I think a lot of people do still remember them very fondly. 
So I wanted to try and capture that. So I hadn't really done much video stuff before then, except I did a lot of video stuff when I was like really young, like at home, like me and my brother or friends or cousins or whatever would just like make random video things when you're young. So I don't know. It's almost like, even though obviously that was so rudimentary, it was almost like, I feel like I just could probably have a go at doing video editing and it would probably be okay. And it turns out, yeah, it was, it was actually a, a skill that I kind of somehow could already do, which was nice. I don't know why I started the Harry Potters. I think it was just because they hadn't really been done as much before. And yeah, I suppose that's it really. Yeah. Just no. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, thinking about it before I stumbled upon your channel, the only Harry Potter videos I did see were from like Kid Icarus or Mickey D is another one who, yeah. um, like they'll talk about Harry Potter games, but they usually just talk about the fact that like, the graphics are terrible. <laughs> yeah, PS1 Hagrid is yeah. awful. Or They might talk about how the games are fun, but they don't necessarily talk about some of the other aspects of the game. Or like to plug your channel, you did a whole video about how like the Lumos level of the first Harry Potter game is very well designed. And that's kind yeah. of a different type of content that I think we don't really get with these licensed games. Mm, yeah, I think a lot of people just don't really take licensed games seriously i suppose or fail to see some of the good in them so i i kind of was thinking about other licensed games as well and just like yeah a lot of people think because they're kind of like commercial they're kind of like not as good but just for example Stuart copeland who did the soundtrack for the spyro games he did an interview with someone on youtube and i think he was kind of saying because it was commercial it was almost more freeing and easier and more fun to work mm -hmm. on because there's not the restraints of like releasing something good i suppose or like right. it's not under the police who he does music with and just another example john burton from traveler's tales who did a whole bunch of disney games um he oh, has yeah, a youtube yeah. channel called games hut yeah Game he worked hut on sonic 3d blast the, <laughs> i haven't watched that <laughs> like, yeah, but, um, very interesting because because he goes on like he goes uh, talks about um the work on mostly on some of the older ones yeah he was primarily the the guy behind the sega genesis versions of toy story and i think the super nintendo version of toy story and, and a lot of it he goes on about how they try to like scrape every single like bit of memory that they could use and like the way that they would approach the graphics was just i don't know it was just like really clever and i feel like a lot of people kind of just overlook that kind of thing when you look at licensed games whereas a lot of the time i think there is a lot of gold in them for sure partly there's there's a lot riding on a licensed property from the licensor right so like mm. as a licensee you need to a, get your stuff kind of blessed by the licensor, or you're not releasing it, essentially. You also need to make sure it goes out by a certain deadline because yeah, it, needs to, it needs to hit the market when the when it's relevant. Because a licensed game loses relevancy is like once it's like six months of the rear. Like nobody cares anymore. Like that there's a tie-in video game. It should have came out when the movie released or the book released. And so I think partly because of the crunch factor and perhaps direction from a third party who understands the property but doesn't understand video game development may cause licensed games to fall short to the mark when they are released. Spider-Man has had a number of video games released on it and there have been some good ones and there have been some really bad ones <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think that's really the hope that the developer who gets the license is probably the most important factor whether or not you're going to get a 
a good license or a bad license because it, the game's going to get made regardless because it's merchandise mm. tie-in. So it's got to go out. <laughs> I do think what's interesting, though, is when you look at the, the Harry Potter games in particular, especially the original first two, where at least with the very first one, it seemed like while, yes, it was supposed to be a movie tie-in, they were definitely not completely influenced by the movie. Uh, because it was coming out in time of the movie, but at the same time, they didn't have everything from the movie. So while they had certain assets from the movie, such as character, some of the character models are obviously based on actors. There's also a lot of stuff that was pulled from the books um, with um, certain details, I think, being pretty much exclusive to the book, uh, which I thought was kind of an interesting way of blending uh, that. I also think it's interesting that Warner Brothers gave zero direction to any of the video game developers yeah. about what they should do. And so you get vastly different games <laughs> across the same release. Like even on the handheld, the Game Boy Color game is different than the Game Boy Advance oh, yeah. game. The, the Game Boy Color game is weird. Like when you go to Hogwarts, there's like a big pentagram in the Grand Hall. And I think yeah, if you go wow. into one room, there's like a big sphere just floating in the center of the room. <laughs> like they, they were like, just go make something. Yeah. And they like gave the most vague direction to everybody. And they're like, we vaguely want a movie tie-in game. Have at it. But there's a one thing that's consistent between all those games. That's Flipendo. Flipendo! The video game exclusive knockback charm. I kind of wonder how that ended up being in every game. Yeah. Because I think apparently J.K. Rowling gave a list of like spells and things to the developers. I don't know why they all went with Flipendo though. <laughs> like... It just sounds the best. Yeah. <laughs> there was some internal memo that was like, okay, we picked Flipendo. Use it for everything going forward. <laughs> Maybe the direction was, if you, you want to do use. telekinesis, you have to use Flipendo. Yeah. yeah. And everyone's like, well, we need ability to move blocks or strike people or knock back people or whatever Flipendo is used for. I think when Guardian Leviosa's to move the blocks yes, around. Yes, that, that right? lifts mm -hmm. and Flipendo's the knockback charm. I wouldn't be surprised if they were told, you have to use Wingardium Leviosa. It's like the one big spell from the film. Please. If you need to move something, it has to be this spell. If you yeah. need to have combat, it needs to be Flipendo. <laughs> now, in, in regards to the art direction of these games, I do know Jeff Willis was one of the people behind a lot of the art. And Phil, you had the opportunity to interview him very recently. Mm -hmm. uh, as a, like, sometime a few weeks ago, right? Was when the video went live? Yeah, yeah, I think it was, yeah, a few weeks. Could you tell us a bit about that? And uh, and is, is that something that you're looking to do more of, these type of interviews with devs? Yeah, so I kind of just emailed Jeff Willis out of the blue because I was I was looking online just at the, the wizard card designs or whatever and noticed that some were like really high res. And I was like, this is strange. Like, where are these, where are these from? Because obviously I've never seen these in like more than 200 pixels before so <laughs> and then eventually stumbled upon his website where they were where they were, they were all posted and i was like i could i could just email him and ask right like yeah it's the worst that he says yeah because like he's it's not like he's jk rowling or someone right he's right. just a if anything just like a small person who's worked on a part of the game and he said yes i asked people to submit questions and got to ask a whole bunch of interesting questions to him about like how did he come up with the designs what was the process like in terms of i guess like instructions from the studio or from warner brothers what else did he work on because he did a bunch of concept art as well because yeah. again warner brothers gave them nothing so they needed something <laughs> to work off so he just like drew 
the fire crab and ended up being in the game. And he remembered a lot, actually. I think he said it was quite, it was really nice working with just like so many talented people who are all really into what they're doing. And I think a lot of the people who worked on the Harry Potter games were very like into it. Like I think they all enjoyed working on it. I'm, pro I'm sure there was some kind of development rush at the end, but generally everyone I think enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, and would I interview other people? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't I haven't tried speaking to anyone yet, obviously, because I only just did the other one, but um, I would definitely love to. I'm trying to think. I was considering asking, say, um, John Burton or maybe the uh, composers for the that run of like Pixar games, um, yeah, like Bugs Life and Toy Story, because those are some of my favorite game soundtracks. I think andy blythe and martin jostra they're kind of like a composing duo i think they've done like so much other stuff like tv and that kind of thing but i don't know that's just two people that i would maybe be up for talking to yeah i haven't i haven't properly taken it seriously but but yeah absolutely which game did jeff do the cards for and did he work across developers or just do like the pc or i think he basically did it for the first two because they had to do some for the first one but he had a lot more put in the second one and then i think from that point on they obviously just used the artwork for the, the further ones because the third one had wizard cards i don't think the ones after that did i yeah i they can't kinda, remember i think they dropped it pretty much but do we know yeah. if we, did he, he did he develop like an asset set that all the developers because i know with the first game there was one two three four five six different game developers yeah so like was he associated with any of the game developers or was he just like i'm making wizards cards for everybody so he worked for no wonder which was the company that did the pc games i can only assume ea then just took them and used them in the rest because i asked if he had any interaction with the other game developers but he said no because the, the ps2 ones were like ea uk or something so like not even yeah. the same country let alone the same company right yeah um well, was uh, warthog games was ps2 xbox and gamecube and argonaut did the ps1 no wonder did the windows grip Night games did gbc eurocom did gba westlake did the mac and they're all just given vague directions <laughs> so seeing something unified like uh the wizards cards across the developers is i would be surprised <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah i guess ea just took them and put them in the rest because the music i think is the yeah yeah so it feels like they just got a bunch some of assets, assets yeah yeah we're like here you go use this for yeah, this. all the voice acting as well is basically the same i think as yeah well, so. except between i think the ps1 and the pc first game well i think there's some similar lines I but remember. i thought like all of the male characters are voiced by the same person because that's what it sounds like <laughs> to me like yeah. i don't know if they just all sound similar but i know whenever i hear like neville ron and then draco speak i'm like that's literally they all sound the, the same it's the yep. same guy <laughs> like yeah whereas i think the the pc one has a little bit of deferring voices or, or the person mm. just tried a little harder or, or they did what you're actually supposed to do and you're supposed to stage the voice actor so like if you're interacting with an npc with one voice actor and that voice actor voices like two npcs then have like a series of game happen between the two times so that you forget that it was the original voice actor instead yeah. of having them all voice act around the same time they, they definitely yeah. don't do that because in the ps1 game the first one of the first missions is you walk into what the room and draco's there and neville's like upset because draco did something 
stole the frog or something. I stole something. Stole probably, something. Yeah. And then oh, Draco yeah. The, is the, like, uh, the toad. Where's your mum, Potter? <laughs> and then. <laughs> Draco is so good. Like, he's so unnecessarily over the oh, top yeah, in the PS1 yeah. game. It's. I like when he asks Harry, um, I think it's in the second game, uh, who made those earmuffs for you, Harry, your mom? <laughs> nice earmuffs, Potter. Did your mom make them for you? Oh, I am sorry. I forgot. Uh, yeah, and Jeremy Soul did the music. He also worked on Elder Scrolls, Skyrim, Oblivion, Knights of the Old Republic, Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance. He also worked on humongous games like Put Put Travels Through Time and the Freddy Fish titles, which uh, Seth and I grew up with. A little bit of a controversial figure, but we don't have to go into that those details, obviously. But uh, I, I guess kind of place setting our audience a bit with these the, these games. The first game came out in 2001, and then there was a PS2 version of the first game that came out in 2003 during the time gap between the second movie and the third movie because there was a weird right because there there was no the third movie wasn't out so then they just re-released on the ps2 yes using all the assets from the first from the second game <laughs> they're like there's a gap we have to fill it with harry potter because ultimately the publisher was ea and they're evil <laughs> yeah yep. but the, the first game for the pc was developed by no wonder using the unreal engine and then the ps1 version was argonaut and that was built using the same engine they used for croc which means if you've ever played croc you're pretty much playing harry potter for the ps1 <laughs> with a crocodile but phil i know i know for a fact our listeners might not know but your favorite game is the pc version of the second game is that correct that is indeed correct that is my favorite harry potter game what what makes that your favorite harry potter game it's difficult to i've i've written some notes because hard to work out why but so i mean one it's one of the oldest ones I had, so like just purely nostalgia, that's a big one. I think it's because it feels very like fluid when you're playing. Mm. The movement I find to be very fluid, like the jumping and moving and everything. There's no like weird half tank controls like the first one had. I think, I mean, just anyway, I think I really like games that are quite fluid with their motion. So like Half-Life 2, for example, I find to be another very like, it's, you're not like, restri- you can jump basically. That right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I like how that's the thing. It's just if you can jump or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, a, it was a big deal being able to jump. Uh, yeah. yeah. I remember watching someone play the dark forces for the star wars game and you can you can jump in that and i was like blown away that there was Mm. like a vertical element to it i I think that's that was adding verticality to games really opened it up yeah previously had just doom and wolfenstein where you weren't doing just just moving forward yeah it with it with pc chamber of secrets you can like jump and spell cast at the same time yes which i was gonna say yeah yeah yeah, which makes the especially when you learn spongify and you're like falling from the sky and you amazing spongify again and you're just like bouncing around yeah yeah so i think just the fluidity of it all is a big one the music is probably one of if not my favorite game soundtracks it's just so so i mean everything is so good obviously but that in particular i think is amazing the spell challenges are great they're just like i think it's the fact they're timed as well just really adds another element of stress to it which kind of makes it better there's loads of secrets everywhere some of them actually kind of not tricky but like you could miss out if you're not paying attention yeah there's still a few that i miss when i'm going through like on a replay even to this day i'll miss a secret and i'll be like i I can't believe i missed that one that i used to find all the time sort of deal (laughs) yeah it's strange because it's i think from a technical point it's maybe not the best so the animations and people are worse 
from a technical point than say the ps2 version like they are just more detailed and more emotive in the ps2 version but the i find the colors and the lighting to be better in the pc version of the second one i don't know why because a lot of it is just like hard baked in it's not so much like you know active lighting right because it's so old <laughs> right but um despite that this uh, i don't know it's just like the candles glowing and like all the particle effects i think are still really nice i think also because you can explore around hogwarts and there is lots of secrets to find that's another big one yeah um because the first game didn't really let you do that to be yeah. honest yeah there was like one kind of open section in the first game but even that's kind of restrictive you can't really go yeah. anywhere where this game you can just like if it's like hermione comes up to you and is like we got to go defense against the dark arts you can just leave and <laughs> like yeah. go out to the yeah, grounds yeah. and explore the grounds and they don't annoy you the whole time too which like the playstation yes. 2 games if you ignore ron or hermione they'll just constantly be like harry yeah. we're supposed to go to defense against the dark <laughs> arts and it's like oh my gosh just let me have fun sort of deal where i think the pc yeah. game lets you have fun the pc game they're just standing there waving and you yeah. can just like walk away <laughs> yeah. um yeah because i just played the third one on ps2 and like when you reach the end of the day they even say like you can look around if you want or we can go back up to the gryffindor common room but then having said that they're always just like i think we should go back let's go back isn't it time for bed oh i'm really t it's like the sky is blue what are you talking about like let me look around yeah. ps2 ron is the most tired person in the world yeah. where it's like very first spell lesson of the day you complete it comes up to you i'm exhausted harry i'm going to bed <laughs> i need my beauty sleep harry i think it's from two to three that they kept the same hogwarts so they built it for two in the ps2 yeah and then they brought it to when they did the third one they were just like here is the same exact yeah. Hogwarts building that we built in the. There's some the... slight tweaks. I know the when they did two yeah. and then they when they did the first one, which again was in between. It's literally yeah. copy and paste. I was playing the first one for the PS2, and I was like, "This is literally the second game, but they took the story yeah, yeah, of the first yeah, book the, and yeah, they just yeah. dropped it in." <laughs> it's yeah, like, they're like, "Oh, we already made Hogwarts. It's okay." Yeah. And the one difference is they changed all the voice actors. All the voice actors are younger voice actors, which just, course, yeah. it seems weird to me, but I mean, it makes sense. But I think mm. this is the same player model. So Ron still looks like Chamber of Secrets Ron. He just has a much younger voice. I, d I do like the Hogwarts in the PS2 games, actually, because I didn't remember it too well. It feels bigger. Yeah, it's quite nice, actually. Like walking down the Grand, grand Staircase, that would just cool. Yeah. And like the entrance hall, it's really nice. Like I have to say the graphics are really nice yeah i also like the detail of you can't enter all the rooms but all the rooms are labeled so you go yeah. up to like a certain room and it might be it might be labeled like oh this is history magic you can't necessarily go in but it's nice to kind of see there, yeah. that it's there there's like certain sections i feel of the map that you don't even ever go in the storyline mm. but they're just there for you um and i think that's a nice little touch that they had I find it interesting how they, when they developed them, the PS2 version was supposed to be the quote-unquote more mature version, and the PC one was supposed to be for kids because everyone had a computer, basically, yeah. compared to having a PS2. And it runs on essentially any computer because it's not too graphically intensive. But, like, playing it, I don't know. I guess the second and third ones are a bit more involved than the first one on PC, but I, I find them, like, not to be, like, too kiddie, actually. I don't know. yeah. Like, like, they're not difficult. I feel like some of the challenges in the PS2 game I felt a little more challenging than the PC they are one. Harder. And I don't know if they that's are, just yeah. if, like, I've played the PC one so many times that I'm like, this is old hat. <laughs> no, I think I think they are, especially some of the combat. Yeah. Because you don't have too much combat, actually, in the PC versions. There's, like, a 
bit, but... But with the, the PC version, at least, you were talking about the spell challenges being timed. And I think kind of the, mm. the coolest thing is not only are they timed, but there are secrets in the spell challenges that you can't go back to unless you revisit the spell challenge. And if you don't know to revisit the spell challenge, you can't go back to those secrets, really. Um, and to collect all the secrets within the time frame is such a satisfying feeling to, like, yeah. get all the challenge stars, find all the hidden wizard cards get as many birdie bots beans as you can carry within that like designated time frame which i feel like the time frame is much larger than it feels but because it's in like seconds it feels like it's a lot tighter <laughs> Where yeah. i don't think i've ever run out of time in those challenges i was gonna say maybe when i was really young but like not for at least a decade <laughs> right yeah oh, the spell challenges are just so good they are they are very i don't good. know yeah. they're just because the spell challenges in the PS2 game, I'm sorry, but they're just not the same. I don't know. You don't have the spell for most of it. Yeah. So for our listeners in the PS2 game, what happens is you go to class and then your teacher, let's say Lockhart, is like, today we're going to be learning blah blah spell. Harry, go and get the spell book. <laughs> go get the spell book from this chamber. And Harry just goes, gets the spell book, comes back and it's like, all right, class is over, time to go. <laughs> Whereas in this one, in the PC game, uh, Lockhart will be like, let me teach you the spell and then go on the spell challenge where you'll use the spell throughout the spell challenge so like when he teaches you rick to Sempera, there's a bunch of fire crabs though i do like the idea that harry goes alone on this so it's just yeah. implied that like 20 kids are just sitting in class like hope harry's doing well <laughs> like does yeah. our grade depend on this like if harry does well <laughs> maybe once harry's done they send the next guy no because then class is over for harry he holds everyone else back the ps1 games are even simpler where it's you learn the spell and then class just ends sometimes the ps1 game is weird there's some of it so <laughs> I, my favorite in the first ps1 game there's just this it's supposed to be quirrell but it's never confirmed to be quirrell but it's just this guy in a creepy hood who just like launches oh, yeah. spells at you and will like will show up and then like scary musical play and then will turn a gargoyle alive and the gargoyle will try to kill you and harry would be like i think that was snape so many bits in that in that game are kind of just they happen and then it's gone like yeah the gargoyle thing nothing like that ever happens again and right. it's like what's happening and <laughs> the sloth brain yes the why, sloth brain. why am i getting a sloth's brain and, and then when hagrid gives you that book and snape's immediately like that book's from the library where did you get oh, that yeah. book and it's like hagrid's over there he, you saw him give it <laughs> yeah, to me yeah. hagrid gives you the book in the next scene snape takes it away it's so pointless <laughs> snape is just sending a message to hagrid about how he doesn't respect him <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this half-giant gardener's giving you books that you shouldn't be getting. I love Snape. Snape in the video games is, like, spot on. There's, oh, yeah. It's just so... It's like Snape from the books and films, but just, like, turned up to 11. I know in one of the games he can deduct house points, I think, if you... Yeah, yeah. If in, you the, in, the, in the PC version, yeah. he's like... Harry, go and get the potion ingredients. And then you just like collapse in the floor because obviously. Right. Um, and then after you get them all, you pick up a few challenge stars because for some reason they're there and you get back and he's like, these are meaningless to me. Minus 10 house points. It's Yeah, that's also a really weird mission where you were like, are supposed to be finding ingredients. And as you walk out on a bridge, it just collapses. Yeah. <laughs> and then Hogwarts is just not well put together. No. But to go back to the point where you're having Harry just do the lessons by himself. I mean... 
if you read the books, it's the performance of the entire school pretty much relies on Harry. That's, that's true. <laughs> and, the, and the lives of the students all rely on Harry. Yeah. Literally goes from last place to first place. I think yeah, almost every points. other book in the house points because of they're like breaking a bunch of the rules and Dumbledore's like 4,000 points to Harry. <laughs> Though you can lose the uh, house point ceremony at the end of uh, the... I know at least the second PS2, game you can two, Yeah. And the, for the PC version, I think. Oh, I think he's like, Slytherin would have won, but... Oh, yeah, does he? Then... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know in the PS2 version you can. Yeah, you can definitely lose in the PS2 version. Yeah, when I did the PS2 version. When I ended the game, I didn't have more house points. Because you can collect all the extra things that people have lost. Which, for some reason, gives you house points. Yeah. Sweet. And, like... I did all three scenarios where you lose, win, and are even with Slytherin. I don't know why I bothered. They're all basically the same. Right, yeah. Like, even the middle one, it was just like, you've won, and it's like, but Slytherin's here too, and they technically got the same points. I don't know. Not the best at just coding or, like, I don't know, whatever. Right, yeah. Now, have you played any of the, the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance games? Not really. So there was... I have technically played one of them a tiny tiny bit i think i borrowed someone's game i can't remember if it was gba or normal game boy color and i think the game was fake and it didn't save oh um so i have a very 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 tiny memory and i i kind of should actually look it up just to like try and work out which one it was but essentially no i haven't oh okay okay yeah i I do know that the the game boy advance versions i think the first and second one are action like like an rpg or something the game boy color ones are rpgs but the game boy advance ones are more action puzzle games oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but the the game boy color ones are rpgs i had the second one for game boy color and it gets difficult (laughs) um What's interesting is the Game Boy Color games are A, RPGs, also released towards the end of the Game Boy Color's life. Yeah, yeah. And they follow the book arguably closer than any other of the actual games yeah where yeah. like they go like pretty much like chapter by chapter through the book wow. beyond um hogwarts being a weird place which it is like some really weird carnival place but uh the, it does follow like the book more true however when they went to the third game ea decided to change up how they were doing their they didn't want to do like tie-in games that captured everything they wanted to break up like quidditch into its own game because they thought if they released multiple harry potter games they could make more money and ultimately that's where they kind of i mean ea still in business so they can they they do know how to make money and so like ultimately they and of course the game boy color like stopped being a thing so i think it's kind of sad that there is this jrpg harry potter gbc book accurate game that only covers the first two books <laughs> and that that's it that's the end of the story yeah because wow. the gba games were always very like vignettes of the pc or the playstation games and so it's just kind of a uh, an interesting kind of capture and uh my wife actually owns the gbc version of harry potter and uh, the the sorcerer's stone the first one i do like the the music in the game boy color versions is all like game boy color renditions of the jeremy soul orchestra oh yeah yeah so it's like the midi i think i went and listened to that yeah it's actually not bad wow Yeah. yeah
the Game Boy Advance versions are like compressed versions of the original. Oh, they are nice. not as good, but they yeah, the <laughs> they they like redid the music to be more for Game Boy Color, which I thought was pretty good. I do have a, a fun story. I don't know whether or not we can keep we should we'll, whatever. It's we'll just a fun it. story, but I think Phil will appreciate this. I went on a Trafalgar tour of the UK for my 30th, so a few years ago now. And we flew in early. We did like the Harry Potter experience and stuff like that. And we stayed in um, like uh, in the King's Cross area of London. And we ended up, with, we, we went like north and we stayed in Wales and just got on and blah, blah, blah. But it was a castles and kilts theme tour and they were going to cover a lot of uh harry potter stuff through it but it was fun because it was after school break was over so there was one child on the entire thing and everyone else was adults and oh, most of them good. were retirees um oh, okay so <laughs> it was it was perfect um however so this was four years ago and part of the tour was going to king's cross station because of that's course. where yeah. harry potter went however not the tour company didn't realize that the exact day that they brought us was the day Harry Potter went back officially. So King's Cross Station oh, was God. mobbed <gasps> with Harry Potter people. Oh, no. We didn't, like, figure that out until later. So, like, for us, I was just like, these people are still so obsessed with this book. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like... Wow. I was like, why? I'm like, these people, like, is this a normal day? I'm like, this is a train station. And they're just like, <laughs> these people are, like, crazy Harry Potter people. And it just happened to be the exact day that uh, Harry went back which I discovered because while leaving King's Cross Station, I saw Warwick Davies on a Segway. Oh. And I'm like, why is Warwick Davies here? I'm like, why is everything, like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, this is all and, a bit of a coincidence. Yeah, I was like, this is this is, I, this is is not, like, a normal day in, in, like, London. I mean, if it is, that's great. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. But, like, I'm like, this is not normal. And we, uh, obviously, we looked it up, and it was, we were at King's Cross Station on the day that Harry went back officially to Hogwarts to drop his kids off at the pool or whatever. And, uh, um, yeah, so that was, that was a fun experience that I'm, I'm glad that i was able to go to did you still queue up and did you still queue uh, up we went back later whatever happened yeah 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 okay, so we yeah. we so we actually didn't do the we didn't do the what is it the trunk like the holding on to the yeah the yeah we didn't I haven't do that. actually done that yet either i don't know why i probably should we didn't do it at king's cross because we had already gotten our photos taken at the studio of that and yeah. we're like how many how many photographs of us pushing like a trunk <laughs> trolley through a wall do we need so we did it at the we did it at the studio and then i'm pretty sure we did go to the gift shop i don't know if we went to the gift shop on that day because it was crazy or i'm we definitely like went back because we were like staying at the um crown royal like so we we were in the area we went to the station a couple of times because that's the station that we would be taking to come back. So, um, but overall, it was, a, it was a fun, it was a fun tour. Briefly, getting back to the Harry Potter yes. games, we could talk about the uh, the numbers, Seth. I know you like sure. to take control of the numbers. So. Overall, Harry Potter games have sold fairly well across their various versions. Uh, the Philosopher's Stone's computer version sold around 1.3 million copies, and the PlayStation Philosopher's Stone sold around 3.73 million copies. And partly, I would That's say, so many. because they are two different games. <laughs> yeah, you might have bought both. I mean, <laughs> some of those copies are like, someone went and bought the PC version, 
was like, oh, I like this. I'll buy the PlayStation version too. And buys the PlayStation version. is like, oh no. It's a whole new experience. And the PlayStation Chamber of Secrets game sold around 1.9 million copies. A PS2 version of the Chamber of Secrets games sold around 9 million copies. And also that would end up generating more than 500 million revenue. So they were able to essentially take a uh, take a advice out of the uh, the Pokemon playbook and, and sell multiple copies of the same game, but different. Did you say 500 million? 500 million dollars, yeah, in revenue. How much did the film make? Uh, first, I mean, actually, the first one probably made loads, but like, okay, well, it's a bit cheating, but the first one supposedly made over $1 billion, but like, obviously at the time it didn't. Yeah, the the second movie, its box office was $879 million, so just under uh, a billion. It's not bad for the games then, actually. Right, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the the time period of the revenue generation probably trickled in slower than your box office did because a lot of the box office is a lot of upfront money where game revenue kind of just happens forever because people will discover games and want to, then they'll buy them and you still get the revenue from there. Not for these games, though. A lot of these are delisted now. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Phil keeps making videos. People are going to come try and get but, them. But yeah, but is not making money off of a used copy of Philosopher's Stone that you buy <laughs> off of eBay. <laughs> they're not getting their dime from that. Can you can't buy them off of Origins? No. No, they're not available on oh, any... Can't buy them They've all been anywhere. delisted. Wow. Yeah, all of them, actually. They're jerks. Yeah, it's kind of lame that it would be nice if EA put them on Origin, but I assume that the it's licensing... It's probably far too, like, complicated yeah, at this point. Yeah, there's probably way too many to licensing involved. Uh, no wonder sure I don't think if... it exists anymore, so I don't know. I'm, like... I'm sure if you want to play these games and you think real hard about it, I'm sure there'll be ways of finding out. To promote Phil's channel, he has a video about how to get these games running on modern systems and uh that's what i used to figure out how to get this i think it was the second game running on my windows 10 and worked yeah so yeah there we go that's harry potter harry potter harry potter probably do a little better than i can <laughs> before we close out on uh our episode phil we're going to get into our retro rewind segment where we talk about a retro game that we've recently played and whether or not it holds up um so for you what's a retro game what did i say for this oh uh, i i to define it, oh yes, anything that came out, uh, we say maybe prior to ten years ago. So yeah, you can go back to ten years and in the Ooh, past. Mine is oh no, mine's fine. Never mind. I can list literally any game, obviously that I've played on my channel, probably. But I'm trying to think. I th I thought of something. I, for some reason, I didn't write it down. I don't know why. Oh, it doesn't have to hold up. It could just let be... me look through my what, what... streams because I <laughs> think I picked one. It, um, it, it could be something you could just say it is a older retro game and then whether or not it holds up yeah <laughs> oh wait this was okay this was one simpsons hit and run oh. absolutely amazing oh yeah like this was like a year ago at this point but i mean if anyone doesn't know i don't know when it came out 2000 and i'm gonna guess seven something like that i don't know it's basically gta <laughs> but set in Springfield. And it's probably like exactly what you imagine. The cars are like on fire half the time and the comedy is actually really good. It feels like The Simpsons, but like abstract because the way that they look and like the kind of slight pauses between how they speak, it's funny, but for a completely different reason. I don't know. It's actually difficult. Like some of the races are impossible. Yeah, it's, I I don't know what to say. Perfect game. <laughs> it's all it holds up still. Oh, absolutely. 
absolutely it does, yeah. If you can get the, there's a PC version that's, I can't remember what it's called, Lucas's mod or something like that, where you can do it 1080p and like nice. all the bells and whistles. And I think someone, I kept, it kept being on those like game magazine websites where it was like, someone's done the Simpsons hit and run in Unreal, <laughs> Good. whatever number of we're course. now, I don't yeah, know, 20. Yeah. And like, sure, it looks shiny and bloom and all that, but like, I don't know. That's another game that people are still like talking about, which I find incredible. Yeah, it was uh, 2000, 2003 was when it was released. 2003? 2003. We, we got it here wow. in North, the, uh, the North American markets. We got it a, a couple months earlier for the consoles and we got it 10 days earlier for PC. But it was uh, it was 2003. Someone should uh, mod GTA 5 to just be Simpsons Hit and Run. The Simpsons. Someone, someone must have done, right? They've, I'm going to check, already, I'm check yeah, right now. I guarantee you that there's already stuff that's out there for that. Uh, that's, that's, this is a good game. I played a little bit of Hit and Run, but I've also played Road Rage. Or Road, yeah, Road Rage? Oh, I never played that one. Road Rage, yeah. Not as good, right? Not as good? It's like Crazy Taxi. It's, it's so much like Crazy Taxi that Sega took them to court. And, <laughs> and oh, wow. it got a cut. Uh, they had to like, I think it ended up getting settled out of court but i'm pretty sure sega got like a nice paycheck for each copy of road rage that sold i think i think we were i this is another i remember this because I, I don't think we got a hit and run straight away because i don't think we were into the simpsons straight away but we either ordered because i think at that time obviously me my brother my mom didn't know about what video games were good my dad did but i don't i don't know if he knew about the simpsons game but we my mum ordered either Road Rage or Hit and Run. And basically, I can't remember if they delivered the wrong one and they delivered the better one or they delivered the worst one and then we changed it back. I don't know. But for some reason, yeah. Road Rage was this close to being in my life and it wasn't, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> I The Simpsons actually have like a series of like really good... Because even there are like the arcade game that came out um, back oh, in yeah. the 90s by... I mean, it was Konami, but like it was like also a really good beat-em-up game. I just feel like... There's a lot of quality Simpson video games out there. There's a lot, a lot of bad ones as well. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there is a lot of bad ones as well. Yeah, pretty much everything between the arcade and like hit and run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get winners, you get losers. Yeah. Seth, what's your retro? My retro rewind for a game that is old that I've played whether or not it holds up, is actually Wave Racer 64, which was uh, developed and published by Nintendo. And I was playing it recently on the Switch, and I'm still as bad as I was back in 1996 when I played it originally, when they released it. Uh, you race jet skis in Wave Racer, and you try to stay within yellow and red buoys, and the controls are very slippery since you are a jet ski on water, and there are, in fact, waves that toss you around. It's fun, but it's mostly fun from nostalgia. It was supposed to be like an F-Zero on water with boats, but they ended up just scrapping that idea and made it jet skis but yeah uh ultimately i had a lot of fun with it when i was a child i had a a okay time as an adult um, <laughs> i think it still holds up if you want a game that's like a n64 racing game i think it's probably equivalent to the other n64 racing games it's a little different but it still hits the same itch if you want to play that type of game however if you want to play a game with like good controls or tight controls maybe wave racer is not that game 
But so yeah, I would say it still holds up though. Was it quite popular? I assume yes. Yeah, I would say it it was pretty popular for It's one of the launch titles, wasn't it? Well, it may have been close because it was ninety six. But yeah, it was a it, it was sold a, over a million in the US. Yeah, it was pretty popular. There was a lot of like different racing adjacent games that were like really popular because you had your cruising game, which was an arcade port that was brought to the N sixty four. You had Wave Racer, you had um 1080 for like snowboard you could like race anybody in any sort of like environment you want to snowboard race somebody you got want to race on jet skis you want to race in a car and pretty much race on i think it was a bicycle racing game it's just because of road rash i think was on road rash 64 but i think all those games perform pretty well because it was during the age where people wanted to um get that arcade environment into their home and yeah. those games really represented really good party games um i i raced my friend countless times and uh, wave racer i think though i think wave racer was limited no i think you get four people in it but regardless it was a uh, it was fun it was a fun i'm just really bad at it i think the only jet skiing game i've not even played it's just the jet ski levels in crash bandicoot 3 that's no it. yeah <laughs> that's better than mine which is the jet ski level in lego island oh i forgot <gasps> lego I- oh my i still need to play lego island yes yeah oh i love lego island <laughs> it's such a trip of a game <laughs> That's not what I've. That's not been my retro rewind though. My my retro rewind was Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy, which was uh, developed and published by Raven Software back in 2003. Well, published by LucasArts, but developed by Raven Software. Uh, you play as Jaden Kor, who's a new character, and he's becoming a Jedi, which is always fun. It's a direct follow up to Seth's favorite game, Jedi Outcast, and Kyle Katarn is in the game as a non-playable character, <laughs> but uh, it has two different endings, multiple endings. Uh, with a kind of morality system of whether or not you kill someone does the morality change so that's that's cool uh it's pretty good i like it i think it holds up i think jedi outcast is the better game but if you like being a jedi and throwing your lightsaber around at people then this is the game to play it's currently available on steam it was also re-released on the ps4 and the nintendo switch so if you want to play it on the go, go right ahead. I recommend with any of the Star Wars Jedi Knight games to in- open up the console and engage realistic lightsaber damage because then it turns the game from a fun experience to a hilarious experience. Yeah, it becomes a goes from T-rated to M-rated real quick because our arms are just like flying off. But yeah, maybe I should have picked Lego Island. That That's definitely the superior game here. We did. We, we had a couple of Star Wars games when we were young. I can't remember. We had Star Wars Episode 1 Racer. Oh, yeah. I, I bought it on steam i haven't played it again yet i mean it was like one pound so i had to but we had another one but i literally don't remember it was maybe just the episode first one. one did you have the episode one ps1 or pc game because those are those are good games <laughs> maybe i think we maybe had or borrowed the episode one ps1 game yeah yeah but i'm not that, sure that game's a trip <laughs> yeah. yeah you could you could kill gungans just for fun and there's no consequences there's also if you go to when you go to where you meet Anakin and Mos Espa, it like opens up a free roam section so you can just wander around. And there's just this one guy where if you force push, yells "Stop pushing me!" and you can just do it nonstop, <laughs> and he just repeats "Stop pushing me." And there's like a clip somewhere of Seth and I at like three in the morning doing a 24-hour live stream playing that game and just laughing hysterically because we were so drunk tired that like we just thought it was the best moment in the world and i think that (laughs) clip is somewhere on twitch it is we do have a lot of it all right well well thank you again phil for joining us for this episode talking about the harry potter games thank you for inviting me it was a lot of fun absolutely for our listeners just to remind them uh do you want to tell 
people where they can find you like social media blah 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 yep so i'm phil of glimmer on youtube where i do my videos i live stream on both youtube and twitch currently um at the same time because best of both worlds i guess i don't know and then i'm also on twitter and instagram i think technically i have a tiktok but as if i've ever <laughs> yeah but youtube youtube's a main one yeah and you'll be able to find uh phil's links in the show notes as well and if you want to find information nice. about us we are on facebook instagram and twitch at classic gaming brothers and we are on twitter at cg brothers pod and you can always send us recommendations or feedback to our e- email at classic gaming brothers at gmail.com and you can also listen to us wherever podcasts are available to listen to is there anything else Zach? don't play games like my brother and don't play games like my brother don't play games like me i can't play games anymore (laughs) they're too difficult nowadays i tried playing crash for impossible i've been zach i've been seth i've been phil and we've been the classic gaming brothers and phil that's and phil that's right